Hi, this is Malayan Verveer. And this is Kim Azzarelli. We are co-authors of the book, Fast Forward, How Women Can Achieve Power and Purpose. And you're listening to Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose, brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Welcome to this special edition. During these difficult times, we're talking to experts who can help us gain perspective on the impact of coronavirus, as well as share tips and resources and some much-needed inspiration. Today, I'm joined by Emiliana Simon-Thomas. Emiliana is the Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley. She's the co-instructor of the Science of Happiness course and helps run its Expanding Gratitude Project. Emiliana, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me to be on your show. Your topic of expertise is extremely important right now, happiness, um, really going through a very difficult period uh, in our history. Um, So very grateful for you joining the show. Emiliana, how do you define happiness and does it differ from person to person depending on, I suppose, their personality? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because that's one of the first mistakes that many people make when they think about happiness. Um, I define happiness as an overarching characteristic of one's life, and it is described as feeling good most of the time, uh, being able to handle life setbacks in a graceful and forward um, learning manner, and being well-connected, feeling like you trust other people. Um, The mistake that people make is thinking that happiness means pleasure or that happiness means cheerfulness or enthusiasm or gratifying a desire, when in fact those are positive emotional states. Now, positive emotional states matter, but they don't equal happiness. And if we strive for seek happiness by trying to string together a perpetual sequence of positive emotions, we actually feel less happy. I'm so glad you said that because that is also uh, what we sort of uh, believe is that happiness is not the sort of happy face emoji, but this sort of uh, longer state of um, well-being. And so I think you're right. I think everyone's chasing that happy face all the time and it's not a very realistic uh, pursuit and actually leads to unhappiness. Yeah, yeah. And to quickly address the second part of your question, absolutely, happiness feels different. Uh, Individuals who have a more shy or um, nervous disposition or personality might uh, experience happiness in a way that feels really different than a very extroverted and in social social individual. Uh, that doesn't mean that the benefits of being happy are any different. It just means that the expression and the behaviors and the particular activities that might be the best fit for fostering happiness might differ between individuals. So I'm going to ask the very obvious question. Um, How does a person stay, quote unquote, happy during very challenging times? What are you saying to people or what are you hearing uh, that is helping people get through this difficult moment? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most valuable things in this in this particular time of the COVID-19 pandemic is to first develop some skills of managing stress and anxiety. Uh, stress and anxiety are very, very natural and real, and the reason is because this time is particularly uncertain. The circumstances are ambiguous. We don't know the answers. Humans don't like ambiguity. The, the human nervous system is designed to try to find patterns and to predict what's coming and to be good at it. And just having a situation where there is no possible answer that we can rely on is inherently stressful. And because of that, 
the first thing we need to do is develop some skills for just finding some ease and balance day in and day out. And for many, that can come from practices that fall into the category of mindfulness. This may be just a deep breath where you inhale deeply and exhale slowly. Put your hand on your heart and try to not think about the future or the past or your to-do list or the harm that you know is happening in the world, but instead just maybe the warm sun on your shoulders, maybe the delicious beverage that you enjoyed with your breakfast, just the things that bring you comfort and ease for even a moment can really benefit that pervasive stress and anxiety that we're handling or grappling with these days. After you've gotten that under your belt, really prioritizing moments of connection and connection where you feel like you're actually a source of support is a valuable way to um, to manage time in a way that will be beneficial, that will fuel your sense of meaning and purpose. I think many of us are struggling, particularly those of us who are not on the front line, who are not considered essential because we're not out there actually actively finding the vaccine or treating people who are suffering. Um, there's a sense of guilt or shame around our inability to, to be of service. And, um, we need to recognize that we are of service just by staying home. We are of service by reaching out to others who are alone, who are isolated. We are of service by connecting with our friends in the ways that we still can, despite the um, expectations for staying physically distant from one another. We are of service by just being present and aware and caring and caring about the issue and keeping ourselves appraised of how we can be helpful outside of just trying to fix a problem or expecting ourselves to fix the problem. It's so important what you're saying. I mean, how we can each be of service. And, and it seems like in this time of being at home with our loved ones, probably being of service also means to really uh, be thoughtful about your relationships and, and be kind to the people in close proximity to you. Absolutely. I mean, if we have issues that we've been able to kind of put under the pillow because we are so busy in our regular lives that are now becoming more evident to us as we're spending time closer and longer with our families. This is a perfect time to set aside uh, and the opportunities for real heartfelt conversations and emotional sharing and spending time together. I think for parents who are home with school-aged children, um, this is a remarkable uh, and yet strange opportunity to get to know each other in a different way than perhaps we were able to when our lives were busier and involved more time doing separate things out of the house. So relationship skills like expressing gratitude can be a really neat way to strengthen our bonds and uh, convey our sense of commitment and interdependence with one another. Uh, expressing gratitude can seem really easy and sort of flippant, but research shows that when we get good at it and when we're specific about it, uh, it can be a really powerful asset to our health and well-being. And what I mean by specific is instead of just saying, hey, thanks, thanks for doing the dishes or uh, thanks for helping me carry the groceries inside the house, um, we say something like, um, hey, thanks for doing the dishes. I know you could have done a bunch of other things instead. You could have watched TV or 
um, taking a shower, but you helped me and, and, and you doing that allowed me to do, um, what I really wanted to do instead, which is have a phone call with my mother who I hadn't been able to talk to earlier today. So what I did was express what the person did, uh, acknowledge their effort and explain how it helped me. And it took just a few seconds longer, but those aspects of gratitude are really important to share. And, and when we share them, the gratitude uh, has a much greater impact on the sort of sense of closeness and, and shared bond. That's super powerful. Um, like you said, being specific, that's a really great piece of advice. On the other side of the spectrum, there are a lot of people who are home alone. And, you know, dealing with social isolation is very difficult for a lot of people. What's your advice for people who are dealing with loneliness um, or even depression right now? Yeah, loneliness and depression are a huge problem in this pandemic time. I can only encourage those of you who are by yourselves to use the tools that, that are available to you through technology to connect with people. Um, there are many, many organizations who are providing live events where people all join a call together on Zoom and talk about what is going on in their lives, get to know each other. I've participated in several of them, both as a expert perspective and also just as a member of the community. Um, there are lots of little ways to engage with people online through games and, and having some levity during these difficult times is of great value. Walking outside, if you're able to, if you've got the right protective equipment and you're in a location where that's acceptable, is a really powerful way to, even if you have to see someone at a six-foot distance, it's still meaningful to see another human being and make eye contact, nod or smile. Those little signals are, are really important. Having phone calls with people who you know and care about, who also care about you, is a really valuable way to remind yourself that you're still connected, remind yourself that you're still a human that belongs to a particular community. These reminders are essential. Humans uh, really suffer when put in a position where they're deprived of social contact and loneliness becomes the feeling. We'll be back after this break. So what's the difference between momentary happiness and this deep lasting happiness that you're talking about? And what is the key to that? Yeah, I mean, a momentary positive emotion, and I'm being really deliberate about using that word because I think it's a mistake to call that happiness. You might feel happy in a moment, and that is fine, but it's not very specific. We're actually equipped to experience this vast array of very particular emotions that are, we've been into the category of, of happy that, that feel good. And they can, again, be a feeling of pride, a feeling of inspiration, a feeling of elevation, a feeling of amusement, a feeling of sheer pleasure, a feeling of anticipation, uh, so many, a feeling of closeness and affection. All of these specific feelings are evolution's way of orienting us towards opportunities, towards meaningful opportunities. And they galvanize us to, to 
furnish the response that makes that opportunity most available and most accessible to us. And so that response is pretty quick. Like, oh, I have a an anticipatory sort of enjoyment sensation because of the smell of chocolate chip cookies baking. What that does is quickly make me want to walk towards the direction where that fragrance gets stronger. <laughs> and then that's the end of that feeling, right? right? That feeling's over. It's served its purpose. If I was like, okay, that feeling is so nice that I'm going to try to keep feeling it all day long, I would actually not be able to do that, right? If I smelled chocolate chip cookie for 72 hours, I would soon not be able to smell it anymore and or even find it quite aversive, right? As you might, you know, think of in people who work in occupations where they experience something that might be pleasurable once in a while or even regularly but not all day long as sort of ordinary and normal. Our nervous systems habituate and adapt to stimuli that that are regular and readily available without any change. So because of that, our positive emotions aren't meant to last and go on and be repeated over and over all day. Instead, they're meant to occur in bursts and to be dynamic and to come up and then recover, as is the case with our negative emotions. And our negative emotions are as important as our positive emotions to our survival and our overall happiness in Mm. life. Oftentimes, the most meaningful experiences that we have involve negative emotions. Those moments in life where we are moved to change something about who we are or moved to take an action that might be particularly challenging or difficult those emotions and those actions are really important to our sense of meaning in life, to our sense of purpose, and those are both instrumental to what we're calling happiness, what I'd like to refer to as happiness in life. We have to be able to experience positive emotions. If we're the kind of person who can never feel joy when good things are happening, we're probably not going to end up in the category of of a, a person who has high happiness in life. Same for someone who isn't able to recover from life's difficult moments, who isn't uh, skilled in the domain of resilience. They're also unlikely to fall into the category of very happy in life. So there are these elements or these components that really help us arrive at happiness, but it's not exclusively or even predictably just trying to feel positive emotions all the time. That actually doesn't work. In fact, there's research that shows that when people try that, when that's their approach to striving for happiness, they're less happy. That expectation is impossible to fulfill. Yeah, that curse of high expectations is is real. (laughs) Um, Yeah. When we we were doing the research for our book, we did see, and and our experience is is this, that, you know, having that sort of larger purpose um, and trying to find purpose across your life and, and getting outside yourself kind of creates that halo of happiness, um, that feeling that you're talking about, which unfortunately we're confusing with the word happiness. So I, I really appreciate everything that you've said. And, and you actually now have a course um, that helps people uh, think about how to practice happiness. Yeah. So actually since 2014, we've been running a Science of Happiness course. It's on the edX platform, edx.org. You can just search for Science of Happiness. It's modeled after an undergraduate introductory level course. So there's eight modules of it. Each module has videos and readings and what we call happiness practices. And these are exercises that we've drawn from empirical studies that have shown that they have impact on happiness. 
and um, people try them, and there's also exams and problem sets, and the hope is, and actually our own internal data has shown that when people complete the course, when people learn these ideas, invest in the practices, and try them and exercise them, they, they actually grow. Their happiness goes up, their loneliness goes down, their stress goes down, their sense of meaning in life goes up, their sense of common humanity increases. This is all learnable. It's just a matter of, of putting in the time and, and deciding that this is something that matters. Can you give us one example? I know it's a, it's a whole course, but is there one example that we can take away from this conversation? Yeah, so the the one that I shared earlier, the specific gratitude is a great example. Another example, which is always fun and interesting to offer from, from Berkeley, being someone from Berkeley, California, because it's a common bumper sticker, is called random acts of kindness. Uh, what random acts of kindness means is just deciding on a given day or maybe for a sequence of three to five days, just perform three to five kind acts for somebody else. It can be holding the door open. It can be um, paying for their coffee. It can be calling them out of the blue and sharing a, an uplifting story. Uh, any number of things. Uh, it turns out that when people engage in this practice, random acts of kindness, it sort of shifts the tenor of your orientation towards other people. We think and think about and see other people in a more benevolent and friendly and trusting light. And it uh, reduces stress and um, strengthens bonds and increases our own happiness. So that's another example of an activity that could be particularly beneficial in these times when we are grappling with the COVID-19 pandemic. The more we preserve our sense of care and concern towards others, towards the world around us. And the more we act on that sense of care and concern, the better off we're going to be. What makes you optimistic or hopeful in this moment? For me, this moment is unprecedented in its in the degree of, of global uh, commonality that we're all witnessing. We have more in common with people around the world today than we've ever had in, in, in my life course, at least. We're all experiencing this remarkable event that will shift humanity in a way that, that I can't really predict. But I think what we've learned through a hard lesson is that the less we cooperate, the less we coordinate our effort, the less we share resources and information, the more suffering and pain we are going to have to endure. And so I am optimistic that in the wake of, of this experience, our approach to many, many different endeavors from political to science to education will be much more collective. We'll be able to understand and prioritize a more common approach to managing the challenges that we're facing. And maybe that'll inspire us to come together around other huge challenges that, that are on the on the roadmap for us, like climate change. And I'm, I'm, I, that is what brings me optimism. 
Well, I have to thank you so much for this interview. I mean, you gave us such great advice from from the random acts of kindness and, and sort of getting outside of yourself to create that halo of happiness to actually learning about ourselves through uh, these difficult times. So uh, we really appreciate your taking the time to be on the show and we, we hope to have you back. Thank you so much for including me and thank you for doing the show and um, onward, onward. <laughs> thank you. You're listening to Seneca Women, conversations on power and purpose, brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio, with support from founding partner P&G. Listen to Seneca Women conversations on power and purpose on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please support this podcast by telling your friends, subscribing, and rating us. For more information on Seneca Women, follow us on social media, Visit our website, SenecaWomen.com, and check out the Seneca Women app, free in the App Store. Have a great day.